is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. By the way, they're reporting that Hunter visited 13 countries with Daddy. 13 countries, and I understand 147 hookers, Mr. Producer. Well, tonight is the debate. You may have heard, it's probably the most hyped debate in debate history. Probably the most hyped debate in debate history. I don't know how to fix this. But there's going to be eight people on the stage. And, <coughs> excuse me. And there really ought to be a way to whittle this down somehow. Chris Christie is there. Basically to throw as many turds in the swimming pool as possible. And that's a big boy, so that's an ugly thought. We'll see what happens. But everybody's making predictions. And I notice everybody's telling the candidates what they should do. And many of the people telling the candidates what they should do have never, ever done anything politically. But so it it, it does annoy a little, doesn't it? That people think they know everything, whatever walk of life they're in. I give you my position. I don't know what they should do unless I'm advising one or more of them. I'll give you my opinion, but I'm not cocksure of it like everybody else seems to be. And here's one of the reasons why. A candidate like Ron DeSantis has an example. He's not sure who's going to come at him. They're going to pile on. How many different issues are going to be thrown at him and if he's going to have an opportunity to respond. You know, if he's uh, if he is the recipient of Machine Gun Kelly, that is attack after attack after attack after attack. He's going to have to figure out how to deal with it. And that's going to be the goal of some of them, because many of them are running for number two. They want to be. The first person in the second tier, because they're praying, they're hoping they're in this for a reason. That Trump's legal woes somehow take him out. So they want to be in a position to take advantage of that. 
Period. Others are up there for reasons that only they can explain and not well. I'm sure Doug Burgum's a great guy out of North Dakota. And maybe he'll prove himself to be Winston Churchill tonight. I don't know. I doubt it, but who knows? Asa Hutchison is there as sort of a a weak sister to uh, Chris Christie. Nobody's clear why he's there. Nobody even knows what he did as governor of Arkansas. In fact, the new governor of Arkansas, who is fantastic, Huckabee Sanders, she's having to clean up a lot of what he didn't. So there's that. But let me go down them and tell you what I think might happen. Certainly not cocksure of it. Chris Christie has been heavily promoted by the media. He's never come out of single digits. He's gone from maybe low single to mid single or mid single to low single. And he, along with Vivek Ramaswamy, and I'll get to that in a minute, are the favorite of the media. Not just liberal media, but conservative media. Chris Christie, they believe, will be very entertaining. And uh, for the left, they want him to destroy DeSantis. Maybe destroy Ramaswamy. And uh, I would ask you this. Is this what you want from a candidate? A guy that, that blew out Marco Rubio by saying he memorizes his lines. I'm hearing that already from him and Vivek Ramaswamy. Like, uh, they don't do any prep and they don't have any one-liners ready. Ronald Reagan had a one-liner ready, memorized. And it absolutely blew away Walter Mondale. I'm not so sure what's wrong about memorizing lines. What bothers me is when people keep reading note cards. Or keep shooting from the hip like they know everything. Chris Christie could be a factor in the debate. He'll be a non-factor when all these debates are done. He's not likable. He's not charismatic. He's not attractive. His record sucks. The people in New Jersey will tell you his record sucks. The people in New Jersey will tell you when he came into office, taxes were through the roof. When he left office... Taxes were even higher. He's a former U.S. attorney. He had a lot of influence with Trump. But now, because he knows Trump better than anybody else, he hates him the most. Well, he and Bill Barr. But you can thank him for Christopher Wray. Apparently, when he was the head of the transition team, he never showed up. He's a lazy bastard. And I'll talk about all these guys, you know, who were running for president on cable. This is a guy who had a paid job on ABC News. And this is a guy who got paid a lot, I think, for a book that in its first week sold 2,300 copies. He's the most despised Republican running in the field. And I predict, for whatever it's worth, that at the end of the debate, he'll still be the most despised Republican running in the field. You won't know a lot more about him. And those of you who dislike him will dislike him even more. He, does, he really does the dirty work for the media and the Democrats. That's why they love him. That's why they're pushing for him. Now this one will be controversial for most of you. Vivek Ramaswamy. They keep telling you he's on the rise. They keep telling you he's a fresh voice. They keep telling you 
that he's not part of the swamp. And so all those things are attractive. I suspect there'll be some effort by some of the campaigns, some of the candidates debating, to put some actual facts on his blank slate. Because his slate isn't all that blank after all. He has said the damnest things about 9-11 and then he blames the media. But the media, the Atlantic, is a loathsome left-wing operation. But unfortunately for Vivek, they actually recorded the interview, Mr. Producer, didn't they? And they put the transcript out. And he said about 9-11, what they said he said about 9-11, because they didn't really say what he said about 9-11. They published what he said about 9-11. And what he did was, he was entertaining the possibility that there are certain factors and insiders that may have been involved, even with our own government. And so we just don't know. But of course, the main culprit with the terrorists and the Saudis behind them. That is a very clever way to say something and not say something at the same time. He's walked back two or three times what he said about Israel last week. Basically, that Israel needed to integrate with its Arab neighbors. I guess he doesn't quite understand what's going on over there. We've talked about it enough. I could be dead wrong, but I imagine that DeSantis and or Pence and or Haley will drive a stake through that. He did the same with Taiwan. He's ready to throw Taiwan over. So I think what you're going to find is that he's going to be questioned about his policy statements and how effective he would actually be. I mean, he says he wants to get rid of the Department of Education. So did Reagan. You can't just sign a document and get rid of a department. It doesn't work that way. When he was on this program, I specifically asked him, I said, okay, let's say you want to get rid of a whole bunch of employees and you have the power of doing it with an executive order in the federal government and uh, the Democrats say, oh, really? Well, guess what? We're not funding border security one nickel. Or defense, one nickel. Now, what are you going to do? He didn't have an answer. I think that's the sort of thing that will happen, and I still think many of you will be very impressed and even view him somewhat as a victim. That's my guess. I don't know. Let's see here. We have uh, DeSantis. Well, the media has basically written him off. They've basically said he's lost too much support. He can't fight his way back. Unless during the course of this debate, one out of eight people, somehow he demonstrates that he's the Babe Ruth of baseball. So they put the, the test very, 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 very high, almost impossible to reach. They don't like DeSantis in the media. Many conservative hosts don't like DeSantis. Many of you may not like DeSantis. And one of the reasons you don't like him is you view him as the greatest threat to Trump. Or you certainly did. And another reason a lot of people in the media don't like him really has nothing to do with Trump. That he's a fantastically successful governor, no matter what you're going to hear tonight. 
people speak with their votes and they speak with their feet. And in that sense, he is the Babe Ruth of governors. And in case of uh, Chris Christie, um, but there's a ton more U-Hauls leaving New Jersey for Florida than going from Florida to New Jersey, that's for sure. Now that said, he'll have to figure out how to deal with a possible pylon. That is, one candidate after another, after another, after another, firing off different issues, and it puts you in a defensive posture where you cannot define yourself and people are trying to define you. And I wouldn't be surprised at all because there's no prohibition that some of these campaign teams haven't been working together. It's quite possible because, remember, a lot of them want to be number two. Vivek Ramaswamy, there was a big piece, ABC News, told a number of so-called conservative leaders and conservatives in his inner circle that he was trying to persuade to support him that his number one goal is to take out DeSantis. Don't yell at me. I'm telling you what he said, according to the people who were with him, including some donors from the donor class. Nikki Haley, I think she's a very tough road to hoe. I'm not exactly what, sure what lane she is in. She's, she's better than Bush. You know, the Bush family. She's more conservative than they are, but not by much. Not by much. When it comes to foreign policy, she's a traditionalist. She's a Reaganite, as am I. But unfortunately, I think in the conservative movement and the Republican Party, we go through these cycles. We went through these cycles prior to World War II and the attack on Pearl Harbor. We went through the cycles again in the 1950s with... Robert Taft, President Howard Taft's son. Robert Taft always denied that he was an isolationist, but he was pretty damn close. And we have that going on today, I think. It's almost a Charles Lindbergh-type mentality where they call themselves American Firsters, too. Which is something that really needs to be defined one day. I'm an American Firster. I believe in the Constitution and Liberty. And the number one defense on the face of the earth. I also believe in alliances. So we don't have to have a draft. So we don't have to send all our men and women all over the place. Because we have people willing to take on our enemies for us. In an alliance with us. Alliances are two-way streets. Or they're supposed to be. We'll see how she does. She could... Look... It's possible for any of these people to be standouts. I just said it's really unpredictable because of the number of people up there and the, and the whole way this thing develops. It's hard to plan. You can plan statements. You can memorize lines. You can have one-liners. But you cannot control the environment. There's just too many people there. I think Tim Scott has made it fairly clear that he's going to be above the fray. And if people are taking pokes at each other, he'll wait his turn and he'll tell you that this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong with the Republican Party. This is why we don't win elections. Because we're too busy fighting with each other. I'm guessing that he'll stand back and say something like that because I don't think anyone's going to attack his record. Honestly, I don't think anybody really knows what it is. I'm just saying. 
All right, I've got a few more. I'll be interested in what you have to say. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Nothing I say here, by the way, is going to matter one iota. Just giving my opinion on what I think might happen. But I'm already telling you, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. I've been around long enough. People will say things to me like it's a two-man race here or there. It is, you know, it's this, it's that, that. It's never as people say. It just never is. And, uh, you know, Chris Christie, it's, he's just very unlikable to me. He's a big, heavy dude who acts like he's uh, Muhammad Ali. He's a complete egomaniac. He was really a failed governor. He had, he's lucky he escaped from Bridgegate. Just very lucky. Um, he took money that was for various hurricanes there and so forth and used them for tourist ads to promote himself. I just, I just find the guy repulsive to me. I don't think that's a future president, and I don't think he's the future of the country. I don't think there's any way he would get elected. And so now what he's trying to do is burn down everybody else's chances. I'll be right back. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Did anybody read that Donald Trump's life was threatened, Mr. Producer? 
Did you see that? There's not a word about it. Nothing. Not a word. We have this whole kidnapping thing with the governor of Michigan and a couple of these folks already got off because it was a setup in many respects by the FBI. But think as you will, the point is Donald Trump was threatened. His life was threatened. And there is no coverage. None. All right, let me finish this before it gets stale, so to speak. You've got uh, the former vice president in here, Pence. I have no idea why Mike Pence is running for president. None. And his H.R. Haldeman, Mark Short, has done grave damage to him. But Pence listens to him. He listens to fools like J. Michael Ludick, who now say the 14th Amendment is clear, and of course he's right, and Tribe's right, and Deval Patrick's right, and the other radicals are right. I'll get to that, unfortunately, a little bit later. I have no idea. I don't even know what he's going to do on the stage. Is he going to dance, Mr. Singh? I don't know. Um, maybe he'll stand up to Christie and say, you know, you're, you're the new guy about this with Trump. You know, I, I really stopped him on 20. I, I don't know what he's going to do. But some of these guys understand that they have to make a splash noise because... You know, when you're supported by three, four, five, six percent tops in the polls, you know, in the old days, you wouldn't even merit a place on a stage. Period. Period. And I think, apart from a couple of these people, being honest with you, they don't merit to be president either. You're listening to my show because I think you want my take. I don't think the greatest thing you can say about running for president is that you don't have a record. I want to see the record. It's what we conservatives want. We want evidence. We want something. It doesn't mean you aren't the most fantastic human being in the world. Why are you cleaning off your Wikipedia site? I mean, we couldn't even get our Wikipedia site cleaned off, and it's not because I'm running for president, because those bastards are liars. But how do you get that done, Mr. Producer? We weren't able to get that done. Money is what's right. He paid to have it done. And we're not trying to whitewash anything. They're flat-out filthy liars about me. But not about Vivek. He just didn't want you to know certain things. Well, what's that all about? The comments on 9-11 are absurd. And then keep changing them, then blame the press when the press is recording your comments. And you can't get rid of the Department of Education by snapping your fingers. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. I honestly do. That doesn't mean you're smarter and better and fresher and you're not part of the swamp. It's not the way it works. Unfortunately, you've got to be really smart, strategic, build coalitions, and then kill the damn thing. So Pence, I don't know why he's running. Well, I know why. He's vice, he was vice president. He wants to be president. Not going to happen. Asa Hutchison, I don't get this guy at all. Is he trying to be a uh, sort of a mini Christie? You're going to see in him the candidate with the least amount of charisma 
period. Doug Burgum, I have no idea why he's running. He says he's like he's like a billionaire. I guess that's why he's running. I don't know. I don't know. Now, what would I do up on that stage? First of all, I don't deserve to be up on that stage, right? I didn't earn it. But what would I do? People keep asking. Again, it would depend on the factors. You've got to be nimble. You've got to be sharp. You've got to be ready for anything to come. Of course, you're going to have a couple of one-liners, and they all are, even the ones who are going to talk about, well, you memorized your lines. Nobody memorizes lines bigger than Fat Boy. He memorizes lines all the time. Donald Trump's simply cowards. What did I post today, Mr. Producer? I said, how many times will we ask Christy to come on this program and actually debate me? And I'm not even running for president. Just debate me. I want to debate you, Chris. He goes on my buddy, my rhino friend, Hugh Hewitt's show constantly because Hugh doesn't debate him. Come on, Hugh. You know I'm right. All the rhinos are comfortable there. You bring Sununu's another one. It's another one. But what can I tell you? So nobody knows who the governor of North Dakota is, and maybe you'll know who he is when it's over. Maybe you'll love him and want to vote for him. I don't know. And I could be wrong about all of this 100%, because as I said, events have a tendency to take over these things. Or somebody says something and another guy gets a little upset about it or what have you. I do know this, and I've said this many times. That stage will have eight people. Eight people. One woman. One black man. Two whose parents migrated from the country of India. And you will not hear the radical left media at all comment on the diversity of the people on the stage. They only comment on, about the race of the people on the stage when, when they're white. Well, what if they're not all white? What if you have an incredibly diverse group of candidates who are debating who are running? They're not going to say a word. Because they have an old, dumb Stage five dementia, white guy. There's another thing going on out there. They say Donald Trump didn't debate. So therefore he's given an excuse to Biden not to debate. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one thing not to debate in a Republican primary when you're 40, 50 points ahead or whatever it is and you make those judgments. It's quite another thing when you're running for president of the United States against another person, one-on-one. Not eight or nine of you on a stage going at it within the party. One on one. Do not let anybody try to persuade you that this gives an excuse to Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I predict, and I could be wrong, but I predict he will not debate. Why? Because he's an imbecile. He is a certified imbecile. And he's gotten worse. We've gone to stage five. He was probably stage three when he ran the first time. And it's gotten worse. This isn't a joke. This is sick. It's pathetic. And Dr. Jill Biden obviously despises her husband. You hear me, Media Matters and Mediocreite? 
In fact, she may hate her husband because she knows better than we do that he's got the wits of a bowl of mashed potatoes. She know, They know it. She knows it. We haven't had that discussion on whether or not we're going to debate. There is no discussion with Biden. There is poster board paper and big, thick Crayola crowns so they can draw things out for him. So I don't agree with everybody. I want to know more about candidates. I don't want to hear that uh, I don't have a record because I'm, I'm... Well, that means there's at least 330 million people qualified to run for president who don't have a record of serving in the government. That's not, that's not good enough. What about Trump? I've talked about this. Several years before Trump decided to run, he became active with Tea Party groups. He would speak to Tea Party groups, conservative groups, the Federalists. In other words, he acted like he really wanted it, and he wanted to really learn about it and know about it and so forth. Most of you don't even know what Vivek's business was and what he did and how he became wealthy. Again, this isn't an attack. It's just I'm sitting here as a voter and thinking through it. I'm a clean slate. Vote for me. No, no, no. Hold on now. Hold on now. I don't know anything about this governor of North Dakota, too. Should I vote for him? He's a self-made billionaire, I believe. Seems like a nice guy. You got to be able to do more than talk the stripes off of a zebra. You just do. Or the spots off a leopard. Or the hemorrhoids off Chris Christie. You got to be able to do more than that. For me. That's just me. Just one person speaking here. One of the men who did the greatest job of attracting voters was Ronald Reagan in 1980 and 80. The same thing happened when he ran for governor the first time in 1966. He was an outsider. He was an outsider. He never served in government before. So why did you support him, Mark? Because for several years before he decided to run for governor, he had spoken about, he had campaigned for others, and gave a national speech on behalf of Barry Goldwater. A national speech on behalf of Barry Goldwater in 1964. And that speech was so compelling, it was so poignant, it was so effective, that people wanted him to run for governor. Then really thought about it was the biggest state in the union even then but they had had a democrat governor for some time so he ran and he beat the democrat governor by a significant margin and he built a record for four years the first term as governor of california 
Then he ran again, and he won by an even bigger landslide in a Democrat state. California was considered a Democrat state. He turned that state Republican. In fact, up until George H.W. Bush, who actually won California and squandered the whole damn thing, he and his son and his top advisor, Mr. Architect, and the rest of them squandered it to try and distance himself from Reagan. This incredibly successful governor decided after his term was over in 1974, really early 75, to run for, in all seriousness, in the Republican primary for president against Gerald Ford. He's sitting president. But Gerald Ford had never been elected president. He was appointed under our Constitution because Nixon and Spiro Agnew had to resign. And Gerald Ford was a very nice man, but he had the communication skills of Asa Hutchison. And he was every bit as nasty as Chris Christie. And Reagan had to take on people like that. He had to take on the Bush clan in Texas. He had to take on all these rhinos. The Rockefeller group in New York, the Scranton group in Pennsylvania. It was one state after another, and he took them on. And he almost knocked Ford out. It was about 100 electors, or I should say delegates. And he gave that speech, and people said after he gave his speech, and Ford did his, they said, and they said, we just nominated the wrong man. He runs again in 1980, and he's opposed by the same Republican establishment, Mitch McConnell never supported Reagan. 1980, Karl Rove was backing Bush. He likes to say in 1980 he was leading the campaign in Texas after Bush lost. That is provably false. Doesn't matter. One of the great presidents in American history. He had a record. Winston Churchill had a record. He wasn't interested in whitewashing his record. It was a strong record. It was a weak record. It was what it was. Margaret Thatcher had a record. John Paul II had a record. Helmut Kohl had a record. I can think of no successful great leader in our country or any country that had no record. None. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios 
shows, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592, or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. I think we're going to only be able to squeeze in one caller right now. Let's go to Tom. WABC New York. Tom in New Jersey. Go right ahead, please. Good evening, Mr. Levin. How are you? Well, thank you. Listen, I was I listen to you every night, and I also watch you on Sunday evenings uh, for you. a long time. And uh, I just want to say I have a lot of respect for what you do on the radio. And I was quite moved uh, yesterday when I heard you talking about your Uncle Mo. I believe you were... Uh, My, grandfather grandfather Mo. Yeah. My grandfather, Mo. My grandfather, Mo. Yep. Right, yes. So I spoke about him. My dad was... Uh, well, I'm a Vietnam vet myself uh, with three generations of veterans in my family. Thank but, you. But... Uh, I was very moved that my father was a World War II veteran. So what uh, do you think about this election now? We have 30 seconds. So I get really easy. I, I like Ron DeSantis, but I'm a Trump supporter. Uh, okay. And, uh, and well, I'm he's not on the Trump. stage tonight. So what do you think about the debate? Yeah, well, I, hope Ron, I hope Ron does well. You know, uh, I don't, I believe in Chris. You're from New Jersey. Mark. What is your take on Chris Christie? I do not like him. And I did vote for him uh, because he was a Republican. At the time, but uh, I was very disappointed in him, and he's not. What did he do for you? He did nothing. Nothing. He didn't do nothing. Nothing. He did nothing for that state, literally. I'm sorry I got to run. I really am, Tom. Thank you for your service, what your father did and all. We'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. We're going to circle back to the debate. I want to hear from more of you, but that said... Something big happened today, and it can't be ignored, regardless of what else is going on, and that is the assassination of the head of the Wagner Group by Putin. Many conservatives are big fans of Putin, even though they claim not to be. Putin's an old KGB operative, as our friend Seb, uh, Sebastian Gorka tells us all the time. Ruthless, vile, violent, anti-American. Always has been. Has murdered his way to the top. We have nothing in common with him. And if you believe in the first America agenda, then you don't believe the first thing to say is that America is threatening Russia, that America is imperialist, that America is colonialist, but for America. And that the Jewish president of Ukraine is a neo-Nazi, even though, A, he's Jewish and he lost family members in the Holocaust. 
If you believe in that stuff, there's nothing I can do for you. Seriously. You're probably in the wrong place, actually. Doesn't mean you have to agree with hundreds of billions of dollars going into Ukraine and so forth. It's not what I'm talking about. You got to know right from wrong, moral from immoral, evil from good, tyranny, totalitarianism when you see it. Anyway, we're not crying any tears here that the head of the Wagner group was assassinated by Putin. But it just demonstrates what Putin is and who he is. Putin overthrew the democratically elected government in Niger. Niger was one of our closest allies on the continent of Africa. They allowed our special operations, our special forces to operate from there. We have intelligence activities there. We're able to land our jets there and so forth. Not anymore. Not anymore. Because Putin overthrew that government. Putin is back Syria and the slaughter that's going on over there. Putin's backing Iran, as is China. And of course, Iran's backing Putin. I mean, let's, let's stop playing games. I mean, I don't understand the... Well, I do understand it. These cycles happen, like I said before. We had it prior to World War II, and the consequences were horrific. How many of you like Winston Churchill? Was he not a great leader? Was he not a tremendous leader? Well, Churchill kept warning about Hitler. Nobody would listen. Britain lost a lot of people in World War I. So did we. There's tremendous isolationism going on on that continent, as well as in the United States. The first American movement back then, led by the likes of Charles Lindbergh, opposed any support for Europe, any support for Britain. Even as Hitler broke out and started conquering one country after another, we heard the same thing of the Sudetenland. That was always German. Oh, they speak German in so much of Austria. So, they, okay. Oh, the, Czech, uh, the Czechoslovakia is. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that they, 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 they threatens them. It's right on the border there. They have a right to. Same damn thing. Same damn thing. And we don't even listen to what Putin says, what he writes. He's already threatening Poland and Romania and the Balkan states like Lithuania, Estonia, so forth. He's not hiding it, Moldavia. Oh, okay, he can have that. Who okay, cares? Crimea, all right, what a Georgia, he can take half of that. He's already been doing it. If it wasn't for Ukraine, if Ukraine had rolled over and played dead when they were invaded, which everybody expected them to do, if it wasn't for the brave Ukrainians with our support and support of NATO countries, not troops, not even air cover at this point, just support against the great Russian military, against their long-range missiles, against their, their jets and their bombers, against their navy, and the Black Sea. We might now be in World War III. Because there are red lines with triggers all over the place. In NATO. 
It's the Ukrainians who have prevented World War III. Forget about Biden and his idiots. They have prevented World War III. Everybody has it backwards and upside down and inside out. They stand between Putin and NATO. They do. They stand between Putin and Poland. Between Putin and Romania. Between Putin and the Balkan states. Between Putin and Moldavia and beyond. Anyway, circling back. So apparently this private jet, the Wagner Group boss, had several. He wasn't all that far from Moscow. He was apparently in between Moscow and St. Petersburg. Was shot out of the sky with a missile. Poof. Shot out of the sky. Ten people on the plane, as far as we know. Including three pilots. Now there's some people out there, well, we don't know if he's dead. Maybe they killed him earlier. No, no. He killed him. This is the way he killed him. There's no need to pretend he didn't. There's every reason for him to get as much propaganda value out of this as possible. And that was expected, wasn't it? You're going to march on Moscow with tens of thousands of Wagner troops, these hardened troops, these vile, vicious murders? And all of a sudden you're going to stop and turn around and you think you're going to have a run of the... The country just have a grand... Putin doesn't work that way. He's never worked that way. He's an assassin. He's KGB. We're going to have General Keith Kellogg on the program. And he's co-chairman of American First Policy Institute. Xi is the same way. Xi used to have a foreign minister about six weeks ago. He had been the ambassador to the United States from communist China. He was extremely loyal. But he probably raised some questions about what Xi is doing on one matter or another. Raised some concerns, perhaps. And he's disappeared. What happened to him? What do you think happened to him? They probably took him out back and killed him. Remember the former chairman of the Communist Party of China who served his 10-year term? And of course, Xi's changed all that, as most genocidal maniacs do. Remember they pulled him out of that conference, the Congress that was meeting so everybody could see worldwide? What happened to him? He's gone. What do you think happened to him? Probably buried in a uh, shallow grave somewhere. That's what Stalin would have done. That's what Lenin would have done. That's what Mao would have done. That's what Castro would have done. That's what they all did. Well, you know, uh, you know, we're the threat to Russia. No, that's Russia's nukes are aimed at us, not Ukraine. They don't have any nukes anymore. And it is amazing to me How cowardly we've become as a country. The American first movement, so-called, <coughs> prior to World War II, resulted in the deaths of millions of civilians and hundreds of thousands of American troops. 
because the goal is to stop it before it starts. We're going to have General Kellogg on in a minute. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Tonight I have our friend General Keith Kellogg, co-chairman of the American First Policy Institute with us. General, how are you, sir? I'm great, Mark. Thanks for having me today. First of all, General, I want to remind people who you are. You've got a long, an arm's length long patriotic resume. Just hit us with some of the highlights. Well, you know, Mark, I came when I was, you know, during the Army after college and spent over 30 years in the Army, eventually retired as a three-star general. Probably, the, you know, I fought through basically all of our nation's wars. I fought not only in the Gulf and in Panama, but also in Vietnam, a couple of tours there. Uh, what I like to say, one of my greatest accomplishments, I was fortunate enough to command the Army's 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, also called Bragg, even though it's now called Liberty. Um, and then after that, went into business for a while, and then I went into politics and joined up with Donald J. Trump and spent four years with him after I was his national security advisor right at the start as he started his campaign and was uh, the chief staff of the National Security Council for all for most of the four years, and then was also Mike Pence's national security advisor. And then it seemed like every time Donald Trump removed the national security advisor. I was the interim national security advisor. <laughs> and I'd like to take, tell everybody that when you added up all the national security advisors President Trump had, be it, it might, you know, you might Mike Flynn or H.R. McMaster or John Bolton or Rod O'Brien, if you put all their time together, I still beat them by 33 days. So I was there quite a while. But and you put good. out a statement strongly endorsing Trump. You said, uh, you know, you worked for Trump and you worked for Pence and there was simply no comparison. And within 48 hours, Mark Short winds up on CNN in what seems to be a uh, a softball interview, smearing you. Just listen to your record. Attacking you. And he's on CNN again yesterday, smearing Meadows. What is with this guy? That, did he just make a whole bunch of enemies in the in the Trump White House? Well, I think he's part of the swamp, if one of the truth. He's, he's kind of a career guy, and... And I think he really, and a lot of advisors with Mike Pence didn't give him good service. And they caused friction within the White House. And that was my comment. It was about the vice president at the time was, look, when you took on the president of the United States and made some disparaging remarks about the president, to me, you crossed the line. You know, you were the vice president and everybody kind of held the line there. And we understand there were some friction points. But when that was crossed, I said, OK, I need to let everybody kind of know this is where I stood and I said it shouldn't have surprised anybody because I've been with Donald J. Trump 
March since 2015. I was one of those very first national security guys that came on when, you know, we were, you know, on the 13th floor at Trump Tower, and there was about 40 of us as, as all, and we worked really hard. You know, when I, you look at pictures, when I was on Trump Force One, when I used to fly with him, there's only two or three of us on the airplane, me or Hope Hicks or Stephen Miller. So I've been with him a long time. So I knew the guy, and I, I trust the guy, and I believed in what we did. And I kept saying, everybody, you know, there's a loyalty issue there here with with me and, and you violated the loyalty issue and I want to make sure it's very clear to everybody when I said that. I also get the impression that they underestimated Trump, his substance, his intelligence, his decision making, and they really tried to force him to make decisions that he didn't want to make. I think John Bolton was that way, probably General Kelly and Mattis and the others and uh I suspect you took it from a different perspective, right? What he's the president and how do we execute? Yeah, you know, Mark, I tell people, look, when I was with him, he's very Socratic. He meaning Trump in his decision-making. He would come in with a position, and then he would test the room, and he'd go around the entire room, and everybody kind of had to deliver. And when that's been the Socratic method, where he asked their opinion, what do you think? And you would have to defend your position very, very well. And, and he would listen to you, and he would take an advice. For example, yeah, let me give you a good one. When moving the embassy from... Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, you know, there was a waiver on that. You could, presidents could waive that every six months, even though it was in law. And there was like 36 waivers. Well, the president waived it the first time because he listened to his advisors. But he told everybody, you better come back with a good, you know, recommendation because I'm not waiving it again. And he didn't. It was the same thing with the Iran nuclear deal, where he gave everybody a lot of leeway. He gave Rex Tillerson, his secretary of state, a lot of leeway. And then he finally made a decision on it. But that was the way he made decisions. He had his position. You knew what his position was. You had an opportunity to change his mind. But if, if you didn't make that case well, then he went with his instincts, which I think were incredible, and he made the decision and he went with it. And a lot of people didn't like that. A lot of people said, once I gave you, a, you know, my recommendation, I kind of expected you to follow it. And well, that's not the way Trump is or in, in, when he made his decisions. And a lot of these guys, I'm just being honest, whether Bill Barr or Rex Tillerson or John Bolton or or Mark Short, for that matter. They've been around a long place, or they were heads of corporations or whatever. And they really didn't want to be second fiddle, did they? No. Uh, I, I, You know, Mark, when I came into the White House, I had to remind everybody from, from day one, and that happens in the White House. I think maybe it's the water you drink in the place. But everybody got, you know, kind of full of it. I reminded everybody at least once a week, none of us got in a single electoral college vote. Not one of us. Mm -hmm. And we're not elected president. We're here as advisors, and our job is to give him the left limits and the right limits. And if he wants our recommendation, we'll give it to him. But the decision is his, not yours. So don't think you've gotten any electoral college votes or you've got any votes from people. That is the president. And in and, and, and my experience in Washington, D.C., is that's hard for a lot of people to accept. Once they get in those positions, they think they're the primary, and, and, and they're really not. You know, they're in a secondary role, they're an advisory role. I, I thought Mark Sh Short's biggest smear was he virtually implied that you had something to do with January 6th. Did you see what I'm talking about? And I go, what the yeah. hell is this fool doing? Yeah, it was. that's the reason I fired back pretty hard. Because one of the comments he made that there was the implication of on January You left 6th, your post while he was standing the post. Yeah, well, and... What happened was Robert O'Brien, the National Security Advisor, was down in Miami uh, at Southcom. Uh, the Deputy National Security Advisor, Matt Pottinger, 
what did not come in that day. So on January 6th, how it works is you always, always have a senior national security advisor with the President of the United States. And when you move a package, the vehicles, there's a vehicle called, quote, control. That's where the national security advisor sits, and it stays with the primary package when it goes anywhere. Okay, that day I was the national security advisor to the President of the United States. My job was to be with him every step of the way, two vehicles behind him in control, uh, behind what they call stagecoach, which was his principal vehicle, and then the shooter's vehicle, and then control. And that's where I was at. And I said to, told Mark that. I said, Mark, I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I was with the President of the United States as his national security advisor. From the morning he walked in, and then when he walked into the Oval, I was with him. When he went to the Ellipse, I was with him. When he came back from the Ellipse, I was with him. When he was in the Oval Office in the anteroom, I was with him as well. I, was, I stood my post, and I, I made that very clear to everybody. And anybody who knew what was going on, knew that. Everybody in the Secret Service knew it. Mark but Beto that knew means it. Uh, Mark Short knew it, too, but he decided to go on CNN and trash you. One other quick thing, General, before we get to Russia. You know, I'm of two minds with Mark Meadows on what he's doing or what he's done. Still working it through, but he goes on CNN yesterday and says Mark Meadows was a ringleader to overturn the election. No, he wasn't. In fact, what does he mean, ringleader, in trying to overturn the election? Number one, you're allowed to challenge an election to the moment they're done voting on the floor of the House. So in that regard, he's an ignoramus. But Meadows is obviously not able to publicly speak. He's been targeted and so forth. What do you make of taking a shot at somebody who can't even defend themselves? Yeah, well, he, he was the chief of staff of the White House. He was on the phone. He was talking with him. He's not a ringleader. He was, he was what he's supposed to be. He was the chief of staff. Exactly as the name implies. All right. His job We're going to have to run, down. General. I don't want you to leave. I want to get to Russia, which is why I really got, got a hold of you. The assassination that took place today. We'll be right back with General Kellogg. See you in a minute. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. We're here with General Keith Kellogg, a great honor, co-chairman, American First Policy Institute. Um, General Kellogg, what happened in Russia today? Yeah, well, it's pretty brazen, Mark, when you think about it, it was a shoot-down by Soviet air defense of Prigozhin's jet. You know, Prigozhin, who was the leader of the Wagner Group, had uh, just come back from Africa, and was flying from Moscow to St. Petersburg, really his home. And in broad daylight, the Russians put a missile in his aircraft and brought him down. Uh, that's the reports that are out there. I'm assuming they that they were, you know, he wasn't his second airplane, it was his primary airplane. And he got a key, and 
one of the other members on board was a guy named Dmitry Utrin, which was his number two. So he basically decapitated the Wagner organization. And this is one of those where Putin, you know, kind of showed his true colors the way he always is. He just cannot stand disloyalty. Uh, you know, they, they nearly pulled off a coup. The Wagner group uh, with Prigozhin lead a couple of months ago nearly pulled it off. And, you know, I'm reminded of that famous Emerson quote, you know, when you strike at a king, you must kill him. Well, you know, they had a chance to actually pull a coup off. They pulled back from it. They went to Belarus with the Russian, with the Wagner forces, and then Putin just decided it was time to, you know, eliminate Prigozhin. And it's pretty simply power politics. What's going to be interesting to me, Mark, is looking with the Wagner group. I remember what happened when they took over uh, the Russian headquarters, the military headquarters that was uh, fighting in Ukraine in Rostov on Don, and how the people of the city of Rostov actually greeted the Wagner group as kind of heroes. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Putin does now because he's eliminated somebody from the Wagner group, Prigozhin was a real populist and a populist kind of hero. And it would be interesting to see what happens. And I'm not saying that anything's going to happen to Putin, but it, there's a lot of people out there. I, I would tell Putin, you better start looking at your food tasters, too, because you, you're now looking at true power politics. And, and that's what Putin did. He just eliminated a rival in, in Prigozhin. But uh, the Wagner groups are very capable military force. And they've got good commanders. Uh, they're ruthless. Uh, primarily former military, or GRU, their military intelligence. There's about 10,000 of them. They happen to be with Lukashenko in Belarus right now, but who knows what's going to happen next. But that's one of those, okay, they, they drew another line. But it just shows how ruthless Putin can be and how he really can't trust that guy. Why do you think he pulled back? I mean, he's, he's almost in the city of Moscow. Putin was on the run. Yeah. Uh, the 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 Russian military was caught completely by surprise. Do you think he just got cold feet? Yeah, I do, Mark. You know, I, I had a dog once who used to chase cars. I used to ask the dog when it came back, "What were we going to do if you caught the car?" And and I think they had an opportunity. That's what liberals tend to do, realize. by the way. But go ahead. Pardon. <laughs> That's what and liberals I, tend to do. They chase cars and so forth. Well, the, the forces were moving very hard. The guy who was leading that column towards Moscow was Dmitry Utkin, who was actually his call sign was Wagner. He's, that's where the Wagner name came from. But uh, I think what happened is they realized they were actually being pretty successful. And I think, I honestly think they could have pulled it off. I think there was no military forces really facing them. They had one major obstacle to go, and I think they kind of got gold feeder called it off, and, and, uh, and, they, and they stopped. They shouldn't have stopped. To me, once you go after somebody like a Putin, you better go in for the kill. They didn't do it. And, then, you know, obviously Putin, with retribution, took Pagosin out of it. And I think, uh, you know, when you look at I was watching it that day that it was going on. And as fast and as hard as they were moving, if they had gotten inside the Kremlin, there were no forces there. There were National Guard forces in Moscow. And I'm talking about when they talk National Guard in Russia, they're talking about police, super police. That's all it was. But he could have gotten to the Kremlin. And then you, who knows what would have happened. But I think uh, they got cold feet at the end. And, you know, to me, they forgot what Emerson said about going after kings uh, and didn't do it. But uh, it cost them, the, the, you know, the brazen shot today, broad daylight, shooting his aircraft down from a, with a Russian missile. Uh, that's Putin. What, 
You know, let me ask you this, General. You're co-chairman of America First Policy Institute. Now, you and I know there was an America First movement. Charles Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh and others led it prior to um, the attack on Pearl Harbor, but right up to the attack on Pearl Harbor. And then Lindbergh changed his mind, but it was a little late. Um, and we were quite isolationist. Churchill had to beg us, trying to figure out ways to get us to support even though Hitler was already on the move. Dojo, <clears throat> obviously Italy. In the 1950s, we had Robert Taft, the son of Howard Taft. He wasn't so much an isolationist as much as a pacifist, a conservative. And there was a significant wing of the Republican Party that went that way as well. And I feel like we have some of that going on today. If you don't recognize that Putin's old KGB, uh, that he's a monster, he's a mass murderer. And that he invaded Ukraine and that he has intentions beyond Ukraine. And then you blame America first. And I don't mean to put you on the spot. Is that your idea of America first policy? No, not at all. You know, what, the America first, and you know this from, from history, was back in the late 30s and start of the 40s, was an isolationist movement. Mm-hmm. That's not America first. America first policy instituted America first. It's all about, first, the we, the people, as the Constitution in the preamble says. It's all about ensuring that the United States is protected first. And, and I've been to Ukraine, and our position is pretty clear. Like when we worked at AFBI, was, look, we're just saying we understand the Ukrainians are fighting their hearts out, but we haven't supported them the way we should support them. Aircraft or long-range missiles. Even the Abrams tank hasn't shown up in the battlefield yet. But at the same time, we owe it to the American people to explain to them why Ukraine's in our vital natural interest, what our job is there, what we intend to do. And my take always with Ukraine isn't Ukraine. It could be Moldova as far as I'm concerned. My job is you're taking a strategic adversary, Russia, off the stage. And why that's important, because then it allows you to pivot to the Pacific. You know, when you look at the national security strategy of Biden, they talk about Russia as a threat. Got it. That's where we need to take them off the stage. But they call China a competitor. No, France is a competitor. China is an adversary as well. And we need to be able to pivot from Europe or even the Middle East into facing China as an emergent threat uh, into the future. But, uh, but, for, but for somebody that I, th- I think we make a huge mistake, Mark, when we start pulling back and, and trying to basically become an isolationist moving away from Ukraine. But I think there's some things we do, and it's nuanced. I think there's some things that need to be explained to the American people. What's our end state? What's the goal? How do we tend to get there? And how do we support our, you know, the alliance as long as it's, you know, as long as it supports American interests first? Let me just give you a quick aside. Every time a foreign leader would come into the, into the cabinet room and talk to President Trump, the first thing out of President Trump's mouth was always, what's our trade balance with you? And the point he was trying to make is, is always about Americans first. And we must address America first, the people first. And then once we address our needs, then we go on and help everybody else. But it's not isolationism. It's not moving away from the world. It's moving the world and molding the world so it supports America first and our people first. Now, a couple of things in response to that, too. Uh, Look at what uh, Biden is doing. Look what he's done in Afghanistan the way he withdrew, look what he's doing in Ukraine, um, too little, maybe too late. 
Now look in the Middle East, what he's doing to the state of Israel, confronting Iran, which is now setting, selling oil willy-nilly to the communist Chinese. They had uh, 4,000 of our uh, naval personnel surrounded the other day with drones just flying all over the place. There's speedboats surrounding our destroyer, as I understand it. And we're giving them $6 billion via South Korea. People are talking about $3.8 billion that Israel gets. We need Israel's alliance. We need Israel to help us in that part of the world, don't we? Oh, sure we do. And it, my concern is we've kind of, uh, you know, turned the, turned a blind eye to towards Iran. You know, and I'm shocked what's happened, and that's where Biden's walked away from it, is, you know, Iran and Saudi Arabia put together a deal, talking to each other. It was put together by the Chinese, not by the United States. And I think within a year, a year and a half, what concerns me is you're going to see a, a nuclear breakout by Iran. And we're not going to be able to do it. Well, we can do something. We just won't do anything about it. But let me just give you an example of the, the, the national security strategy. But hold on one second. Israel's not going to tolerate that. So Israel's going to go to war. Are they going to have our backing? Well, that's you. Well, they would have moved. Trump was in the White House. Or, yes. But I don't but what know about this guy? Biden. Uh, you know, it, and it's that way because I think you're looking at an administration that's risk averse. They Look, everything they have done has been risk-averse. They never address the issue that's facing them. I don't care if it's immigration. I don't care if it's Ukraine. I don't care if it's China. They just kind of walk away, and hopefully that the American people won't pay any attention to it. Look, in the last three years, we've evacuated five U.S. embassies, uh, you know, in other words, because of the threat that we face. In the Trump administration, we evacuated none, zero. And I think they just look at any type of adversity – is an ability to walk away and, and just kind of say, well, the American people won't care. Let's just not talk about it. And my concern in the Middle East is going to come up where you see a nuclear Iran. Then what do you do? You're going to see an expansion uh, of uh, North Korea in a nuclear field as well. You just look at what's happened with Russia you know, and the, the emergence of China as well. Let me just say I this, mean, General, well. and I'm going to want to bring it back just because I have to go. I don't think you're going to see a nuclear Iran. I think you're going to see a war. Because there's no way the Israelis are going to be able to put up with that. Because they keep threatening to use nukes against them. And if you're the prime minister of Israel, that means you've got to do whatever the hell you can to make sure they never get nukes. Because you know the distance between Iran and Israel. You know how tiny that country is. They can't can't afford even a blinking mistake. All right, General. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I apologize. I do have to go. I want to thank you. You're always welcome here. You... Uh, great patriot, and also very sensible. So you take care of yourself. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right. You be well, General. He's a great guy. I didn't even know him that well. I didn't know him that well. I've gotten to know him much better. And he's very impressive. And he was one of President Trump's most loyal, consistent, and thoughtful advisors. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy 
with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Now, one of the things that's going to annoy the hell out of you after this debate is all the spin. You know I shoot straight. A big percentage of the audience, I don't know for sure, we don't do surveys and all the rest of it, probably disagrees with me on my view of Russia. Probably. There are people out there who like to listen to the show who may not agree with me on this candidate or that candidate. We're not here to have a gestalt session. We're not here to agree with each other on everything. We're here to promote liberty, republicanism, capitalism, faith, the nuclear family. Americanism, our principles, that's what we're here for. And if we have disagreements, let's have them. But what you're going to find is there's going to be a lot of spin after this debate. So-called journalists, so-called hosts, radio and TV, they already have their minds made up. They already know who they want to skewer, who they want to promote. May I encourage you to put most of that out of your head? You can join me tomorrow we'll go over this even another hour don't get me wrong but we'll join tomorrow we'll go over and i'll shoot straight about it i'll be right back in today's digital age where cyber threats loom larger than ever safeguarding your personal information is paramount so why is congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks this Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. You know, uh, Rudy Giuliani is a great patriot. He's done for this country. The idea that they had to take a mugshot of him today and arraign him today. Julie Kelly, same thing, and others. 
I didn't mean Julie Kelly. Julie Kelly is our friend. Yes? Who is it, Rich? Jenna Ellis, thank you. I have to think for myself. i got to be on my toes here. But I am the host, after all. Jen Ellis, others, is, is a disgrace. Do you know these people have to pay a million to two million dollars just to defend themselves and their liberty? And their liberty? And for what? I wanted you to hear from Rudy today with reporters. And you'll notice if you're not on the side of the left, they just smear you no matter who you are. America's mayor, doesn't matter. Lawyers just doing their job zealously, not illegally. You're targeted, you're attacked. You and I, we see the big picture. We know what's going on. We're not legal analysts. We're not former federal prosecutors. We see what's going on here. And I want you to listen to Rudy with reporters today, and I want Rudy to know that you're welcome on this program anytime, Rudy. You know, go back a ways. Cut nine, go. Georgia, and I'm feeling very, very good about it because I feel like I'm defending the rights of all Americans, as I did so many times as a United States attorney. People, people like to say I'm different. I'm the same Rudy Giuliani that took down the mafia, that made New York City the safest city in America, reduced crime more than any mayor in the history of any city, anywhere. And I'm fighting for justice. I have been from the first moment. I represented Donald Trump, and a man who has now been proven innocent several times. I don't know how many times he has to be proven innocent. And they have to be proven to be liars. Actually, enemies of our republic. We're destroying rights, sacred rights. They're destroying my right to counsel, my right to be a lawyer. They're destroying his right to counsel. It's not accidental that they've indicted all his lawyers. Never heard of that before in America. All the lawyers indicted. Now, whether you dislike or you like Donald Trump, let me give you a warning. It's going to come for you when the political winds shift, as they always do. Let us pray that Republicans are more honest, more trustworthy, and more American than these people in charge of this government. Because if our government is conducted this way, and the system of justice is politicized and criminalized for politics, your rights are in jeopardy and your children's. Donald Trump told you this. They weren't just coming for him or me. Now they've indicted people in this case. I don't even know who they are. These are just regular people making a normal living. They're going to bankrupt It's horrendous. And those are very profound words from Rudy. He had more to say. Cut 10, go. I don't know if I plead today, but if I do, I plead not guilty. And I get photographed. Isn't that nice? A, a mugshot for the man who probably put the worst criminals of the 20th century in jail. You find a prosecutor who has a better record of mine in the last hundred years. I bet you don't. Or a mayor. And they're, gonna, they're going to they're gonna degrade themselves by doing a mugshot of me. Like, people will recognize me. And now, of course, they can fingerprint me, but I've been fingerprinted 150 times. So This will turn out exactly like the FBI search turned out. They are lying. I'm telling the truth. And the problem is, it's the system that grinds you down, and then some people can't handle it. They can't go broke. The stress breaks them. They have emotional nervous breakdowns. Their families. They have divorces. 
Some people are driven to horrendous ends, driven to drink, they do drugs. When your life is on the line and you're relying on a Democrat DA, to be honest, you're relying on one of these hack judges, this guy looks like he's a joke. When you're relying on Democrat juries, I mean, you're literally in hostile territory for an honest shake, for an honest shot at justice, and your life is on the line, your liberty's on the line, and you're going broke, you got to make decisions about whether or not you can keep your home with your two kids and your wife. you got to make decisions about whether or not you can afford to send your kids to college. And this stuff's hanging over your head while you're you're begging and borrowing to try and figure out how to pay your lawyers. Just so you can have a fair day in court. While the other side has all the resources they need, your tax dollars, the tax dollars of the people of a given state. This is how prosecutors win in this country. This damn thing needs to be fixed somehow, some way, someday soon. Because that's what's going on here. And it's a damn shame. And I'm not going to tolerate. I don't care who they work for. The same companies I work for. Other companies. I don't give a damn who they are. If they don't recognize this. Then I will engage. Too damn bad. And I've known people who've experienced this sort of thing. Not me, obviously, but I've known people who have. It destroys them. It destroys them. It destroys families unless they're incredibly strong. It affects generations of those families. It humiliates the target. They can't get a fair break in the press. The press serves the interests of the prosecution and the government. They want the leaks. They want the inside information. They're the same people. The same people as the people in the Democrat Party. The same people as the people rooting for the prosecutor. Look, look at the Russia collusion thing. It was the press collaborating with the Clinton campaign and the DNC and the FBI and the DOJ and Obama and Biden. That's it. That's it. People say to me, why, week after week, on radio, TV, wherever, are you such an ardent defender of Donald Trump, except the the kooks out there who don't think I show enough loyalty, Mr. Perdue? I'm supposed to give my eldest to the cause, I guess. And by the way, most of them sit on their ass and don't do anything. Except whine and complain. Now, that said, you know, it's funny. I'm not doing it for Donald Trump, a man I have enormous respect for. Who is the target of all this? Who's standing up to all this? I'm doing it because I, I believe in our constitutional system and there are people who are destroying it. Whether it was the phony impeachments, or the first criminal investigation, or all this, 
Our country will never be the same again. And it's the same people who have destroyed our classrooms and are trying to destroy the minds of our children and come between us and our children. It's the same people who turn amusement parks like Disney into propaganda mills. And you watch. You watch that big fat one on the stage attack DeSantis for dealing with Disney. You watch. But what do I know? He's got, by the way, amusement parks in New Jersey. He didn't bend a finger. He doesn't care. No, no, he's the guy that believes in capitalism and federalism. No, he doesn't. Never has and never will. All right, that's a side point. I am defending the Constitution. I am defending the Bill of Rights for all of us. I am not going to bend my knee to the Marxist cause. Or to the fools, the fools, who are winning fools to this revolution. The Michael Ludigs, the Bill Bars, and others, many others. I am not going to participate in the demise of my own country. Over documents. They don't have the goods on Trump. January 6th, they don't have the goods on Trump. Some nitwit in Georgia, she doesn't have the goods on Trump or Giuliani or Jenna Ellis or anybody else. And I'm supposed to play along? No, I don't think so. This really does separate the men from the boys and the women from the girls. It really does. This really tells you Who means it when they say they believe in the Constitution and liberty? And who really doesn't? It's not hard to be tough. When you're in power, when you're in control, it's a lot harder to be tough and to stand on your principles when the enemy controls the culture. And the government, and the politics, and the grand juries, and the judges. That's tough. It's one thing to say, like I'm sure some of the debates did, I believe in due process. I believe in the Constitution. Or, like the fat one, uh... You know, Trump, he's a coward, and, you know, he's been indicted in four different places. Trump is a coward who is standing up to this. And Fat Boy is exploiting it to make a nickel and to draw attention to himself. It's not courageous to participate in a debate with seven or eight other people. It's courageous to stand up to a corrupt Department of Justice, a corrupt special counsel, corrupt district attorneys, and a corrupt media. That's courageous. It's courageous to stand up to the teachers' unions throughout Florida, to stand up to the Disney Corporation, which is owned by a A bigger corporation based in California because you know you're going to take heat. That's courageous. 
What Chris Christie did in New Jersey was pathetic. Asa Hutchison, pathetic. I can go down the list. All of a sudden, these are great leaders, America. All of a sudden, they're great leaders. They can't even defend people who are leaders. That's why so many of you are spellbound by Vivek. We've been fighting these bastards for 20, 30, 40, half a century. And Vivek was nowhere to be found. Now he's going to shut down by fiat the Department of Education. He's going to take on the communist Chinese. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Where have you been, pal? Where have you been? Where were you three years ago? Just three years ago. Nowhere. Just saying. Nowhere. And then the others who've been in politics quite a while and really haven't done anything. They should be the commander-in-chief. They should be leading the country, don't you know? Where? How? When? I don't know. All of a sudden, Mike Pence has found his voice. Not on fighting tyranny. Not on securing the border. Not on taking on Biden. But attacking Trump. Now he's courageous. He's campaigning. I'm courageous. I stood up to Trump. Look at me. When that three-star general who I had on the program, General Kellogg, a combat veteran, he left his post, says his H.R. Haldeman, Mark Short. He lied. That's why I wanted the general on the program to explain what actually happened. He lied. And that's Pence's right-hand man. They hate Trump because Trump said, I'm going to stir the pot. I'm going to push back on the establishment. And so they're out to destroy him. And many of you don't understand this either, quite frankly. That's why they're out to destroy DeSantis tonight. That's my guess. You see, you can talk your way into and out of almost anything on a stage. It's drama. I heard one host just say or said something like, Demonstrate this and demonstrate that and demonstrate this and dem- What are you talking about? And I'm listening to this person. I'm saying to myself, you know, if Abraham Lincoln had been on this stage, a man who was said not to have charisma and a voice squeaker than mine, he'd probably lose the debate. But they didn't judge debates that way back then. The Lincoln-Douglas debates. They judged them on substance, not how you came across. Substance. And they had debate after debate after debate with no media involved, none. But the word got out. The word got out. Abraham Lincoln couldn't get elected today. If the standards that are being thrown down by the media today apply, he couldn't get elected president. How about Winston Churchill? Short, stubby guy. Wasn't as fast talker, was a slow talker. He's a genius. 
What would Chris Christie say to Churchill? You were so wrong back then. In the 1920s. When your advice cost the lives of thousands and thousands of British naval personnel. He would never be elected prime minister. So use your noggins, folks. Don't let people tell you what to think. I wouldn't. I don't really care what anybody has to say after the debate. You know what I'm going to do after the debate, Mr. Producer? Get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If Joe Biden has demonstrated anything, it's that he doesn't give a damn about any one of you. I want you to understand that he doesn't view you as human beings. He views you as voters. That's it. He's got ice water in his veins. He always did. Same to the Democrats. You have millions of people who have crossed the border illegally. We don't know who they are. We don't know where the hell they are. And they're roaming our country. They're in our cities. They're in our rural areas. They're everywhere. Why are we supposed to assume that they're all wonderful human beings? We don't have any idea who they are. I mean, they're better than Americans. Americans commit enough crimes against Americans. So that's an absurdity. And he's doing this intentionally. Now, I want to pursue this a little bit further after the bottom of the hour. Stick with us. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show is tomorrow's morning show. You can reach Mark now at 877-381-3811. little house cleaning here. I want to circle back to Meta, Facebook. And um, we're back. And they fast-tracked the process, is my understanding, as best they were able to. And... Um, so we are back, or will be back, on Facebook and Instagram, is my understanding. And so um, we give credit where credit's due, and that's a good thing. Look, we don't sell a ton of books on Facebook any more than we sell a ton of books at Target. That's not the point. It's like the, with the debate. The point is the principle. And if the Department of Justice can destroy a former president who's running for president who's a multi-billionaire, they will crush each and every one of us. And if these big corporations and these corporatists can stop somebody like me, the number one conservative author in the country, just being truthful thanks to you, not me, from having a platform or whatever, they're certainly free to do it, but I'm free to speak about it. Uh, They can do it to anybody. So I have got to be the tip of the spear for this stuff. I don't want to be. It doesn't matter. I've got to be. And uh, I want you to, if you can think about it, maybe before the debate, maybe after the debate, people need to come to grips with the fact that we have a political institution in this country that's actually older than the Republican Party that hates the country. And that has spent most of its existence, that is the Democrat Party, trying to destroy the country. It'll do anything. It'll support slavery in the past, segregation, Jim Crow, even lynching. 
And today it'll support Marxism, anti-Semitism, open borders, war on capitalism, war on your children, war on the nuclear family, parental rights, doesn't matter. This is the party. A dear friend of mine, I think he wouldn't mind if I said so, Cal Thomas. One of the greatest columnists, not just today, but ever. Ever. And I'm paraphrasing, he said he's read, he's read the first 60 page of the book, pages of the book. And by the way, it goes very quickly when you read this book. And in, he thinks it's fantastic. He thinks we ought to have some kind of movement out there to help promote it beyond beyond us. Wish I could figure out how to do that. I, I can't really balance any more balls in the air. <clears throat> you know, if any billionaires are listening out there, that could be fun, but it's not what I'm relying on. I'm relying on word of mouth. Relying on you. Spread the word. Because the word needs to be spread badly. You can go to Amazon.com right now, right now. Order your first edition copy and get it at 40% off. Once the book comes out, I don't know if it'll be on 40% off again. Maybe it'll be 30%. Maybe it'll be 43%. Maybe there'll be no discount. I have no idea. That's why you try and lock it in as fast as you can when you pre-order. And again, it's the first printing is the first edition. I had mentioned really jokingly last night that there were eight seats left, and there were. In the overflow section of the Reagan Library, they sold out the main area, obviously, in less than an hour, about a half hour. They sold out almost all of the overflow section. And so I said, I haven't talked about it. How many seats are left? They said eight. So I went on the air and said, there's eight seats left. And Mr. Bidu, they were gone in 20 seconds. 20 seconds. The last thing that's left there for the Reagan Library, and I'm not going there till October, and I'm very excited about it is they have, they try to do all they can to maximize your access to their authors and to their speakers. And one of the things they do that's actually quite brilliant, I will be signing from whatever it is, one o'clock to five o'clock, something like that. So if you sign up now on their website, the Reagan Library website, they will make sure you get, I think it's a ticket or a bracelet or whatever it is, you don't have to stand in line for four hours. They have one-hour windows, like one to two, two to three, something like that. Whatever it is, it's on their website. And you come within that time frame. You have the wristband or the ticket or however they do it. And you will be guaranteed a hello, which I can't wait to meet you, and that I will sign your book. You need to acquire your book from the Reagan Library. They can't do this for free. they got to keep up. It's a a huge expense. That's all that's left. But I'd still love to see you. We don't have to make a whole day and night out of it uh, if you want to do that. But that's what's left. Now, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City. He's on CBS this morning, and this is what I was talking about, Joe Biden at the bottom of the hour, and I'll elaborate in a minute. Cut 14, go. Is this a sign of progress, or does this speak to the humanitarian crisis your city is facing? This is not a sign of uh, progress. Uh, this is a sign of a crisis, a greatest, I believe, humanitarian crisis this city has ever witnessed. When it was down in Texas, okay, we can deal with that. 
because they weren't in Texas, meaning the Democrats like Eric Adams. Arizona, yeah, we can handle that. That's Arizona. The whole Southwest, yeah, no big deal. You know, we're, we're New York. Okay, we're inching up the eastern seaboard now. How about the south? The solid south? That's okay. We're, we're, we're okay. Florida? That's all right. That's Florida. It's 1,000 miles from, you know, New York. 1,200 miles. Now it's in the city of New York. Now, these other states have had to deal with 5 million illegal aliens. 5 million in two and a half years. That's Joe Biden's policy. He doesn't give a damn what you think. He could care less. He could care less. Five million. He doesn't care if you're union, non-union, white, black, Latino, in between. Doesn't matter. Jewish, Muslim, Christian, atheist. Doesn't matter. Texas, New York City, no problem. He's never going to experience it. His family's never going to experience it. All of you Democrats, you're being sold down the river. And now the cities that have to deal with it, all of a sudden, we're not a sanctuary city. We don't want all these people. What are you supposed to do with all these people? I don't know. What was Texas supposed to do with them? In Arizona and Florida. Somebody hasn't called these mayors who are, who are going to be held to account one day, and it's too bad the governor's race with our buddy Lee Zeldin isn't being held this November, Mr. Producer, because he'd win hands down now in New York. Hochul is despised, and by the way, so is Adams. They're despised. You Democrats need to understand that the Democrat Party is about power. It's not about you. They don't care about you. Look what they've done. Everything they do is to angle for more power and to break down the civil society, the culture, and the republic generally, the Constitution. That's the purpose. And you want to know why the border is wide open? Because I'm... I'm attacked for what I'm about to say. Why? Because I'm right. If I wasn't right, I wouldn't be attacked. The entire purpose is to flip Texas. They've pretty much flipped Arizona. They're in the midst of flipping Georgia. They know, though, if they win Texas, there is no conceivable way for a Republican ever to be president again. 40 years ago, the Democrats could not win California. Now it's in the bag. 40 years ago, Texas was a bright, bright, bright red, red state. Now it's on the cusp. 40 years ago, Georgia was a bright red state. Now it's not. Arizona was a bright red state. Now it's not. Virginia was a bright red state. Now it's not. Get my drift? They're playing long ball. It's not even Biden. It's the Politburo, the commies around him. 
If the New Yorkers are going to vote Democrat, if they don't like it, they'll move to Florida. What the hell do we care? And so we lose this one mayor, we lose a governor. Who cares? The big picture, baby, we're in charge. And just because these stupid local Democrats don't know what they're doing and don't know what we're trying to achieve, that's their problem. But like I said, they'll get elected anyway. What are they going to do, vote for a Republican for mayor? A Republican majority on that radical council in New York? No, of course not. Republican governor in California? Unheard of. These days. So they know they've conquered these cities. They've conquered these states. And if they get Texas, it's over. Regardless of what they say on the stage tonight. There's no voting our way out of this. That's what they know. And by the way, we'll never have a majority in the House of Representatives again either. Because of all those seats that will go from reddish to purplish to bluish. That's what they think. And that's their plan. And God forbid if you see Ted Cruz lose this election that's coming up, people forget he's up for re-election. You will see that they're well on the way of accomplishing what they want. That's why you listen to this show, because I I think strategically, I look at history, I put things together rationally. I don't need to listen to anybody else or regurgitate from somebody else or have their producers on TV or radio listen to this show and take their little notes and you hear it the next day. You know who I'm talking about. You know I'm right. Do I ever come in here, Mr. Producer, and say, did you hear what so-and-so host said? Can you get that in? Can you... No, I don't care. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now tomorrow, we will give you the real take on what took place uh, during the course of this debate. But even more importantly... Draw your own conclusions. And don't, in my view, don't be suckered by the tap dancing or the belly dancing or whatever it is. And certainly not the inside the Beltway crowd of any party, of either party, who are going to tell you what to think. We'll have fun tomorrow. We'll have substance tomorrow. I'm going to tell you what I think, not what you should think. But there's people who are already, commentators and others on different networks, different platforms and so forth, they already have their candidates, they already have an agenda. Not all, but too many. Not all, but too many. So we'll see how it goes. And uh, just keep that in mind. You know what I say here all the time, think for yourself. Think for yourself. You've got a lot of inside the beltway types who are going to be commenting on this. Okay, great. Uh, You have to decide (coughs) if that matters to you or not. I, I think this audience is the smartest of audiences. You'll make that decision. 
It'll be also interesting to see in the end if the appearance or lack of appearance of President Trump makes any difference. Not so much in the debate, but on how people are surveyed and polled in terms of his support. But I will say this. President Trump's basic support is unwavering. Nothing will move it. Nothing will change it. And you have the rhinos, the never-Trumpers, and the Democrat Party and the media, in many respects, they were responsible for that. Because his enemies are your enemies. And what they don't understand is you put your feet in his shoes and you say, what if I were in that position? And you believe he's fighting for you. Because why the hell else would he be doing this? He doesn't need it. Doesn't need any of it. When you go online, you will see the comments that some of these soon-to-be commentators will be making after the election. Excuse me, after the debate. And you'll know where they stand. So think for yourselves. That's the best advice I can give you. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, the freedom fighters in Ukraine and Taiwan. You, the greatest audience of audiences. God bless each and every one of you. And there will be a tomorrow. Don't worry, I promise. And I'll see you then. Take care.